0: Welcome to the first ever episode of Wet and Dry a podcast between Brent Orton and Adrian Madden where we talk about kayaking related things general topics which raise our interest tales and stories and all other shenanigans which raise our interest. Nate, nice vocabulary there shenanigans.
1: <laughs> Beautiful work. Yeah, the the name is the best we could come up with in the five minutes before we started recording. And uh, originally we were thinking of some other names. And I have to say here, shout out to whoever's behind Duct Tape Diaries, because that is a sick name. I loved that. We were talking about Capsized as well, but Rush Sturgis just released a song and a music video called Capsized, so we couldn't use that. And Wet and Dry is the best we could come up with (laughs) in the time we had. And I don't mind it, man. It's sort of like... um, it sort of is is like kayaking down rapids. You know, you have plan A and B, but you have to be ready to switch to plan C, D and E, you know, and just react to what's going on in front of you and to stick to it. So I like it. Well, I think
0: we'll keep it, eh? Exactly. Double down on that. And also, I feel like our kayaking gear is pretty wet all the time and our humor is pretty dry. So I see plenty similarities there to keep the name and make it a thing. Yeah, stock to get this going, brand, I think we're going to have a lot of fun talking about all sorts of topics out here. Um, I think first off, we quickly have to start with a introduction about who we are and, and what exactly has happened, that now we do have a podcast and make videos about kayaking and basically spend the entire year traveling the world. Um, why don't you start us off here? How this happened? What, what happened? <sighs>
1: man I, I guess it's i guess it's what happens when you when you don't listen to the grown ups and you just do what you want to do and and stick to it and follow it through and yeah I, I honestly i feel so lucky that it worked out because you know if you think about how we were thinking things would go when we were younger, and just you know really struggling to make any money, and you know just just grinding on the building sites and all of the random jobs to earn money to go kayaking, you know to to be in a position where you earn money by going kayaking is just insane to me, you know. And I really think the teenage versions of ourselves are stoked right now, you know. Maybe a little, maybe mine is a little bit disappointed with the car I drive for now, but <laughs> overall pretty
0: stoked. Yeah, I can couldn't agree more. There's definitely like. I think room for a full episode on that, but for now, basically, I know that 12-year-old versions of ourselves would be mind-blown what we're up to, so I think that's good enough for now, and uh, yeah, now we live in Innsbruck, Austria, we share a house together with fellow kayakers, people who live in Innsbruck might have heard or seen the chaos out there, it's definitely a spot you might recognize when you drive past it. And yeah, Brent, tell us about tell us about the house life.
1: Dude, I, I generally like random interactions, meeting new people in Innsbruck. When I'm explaining where I live, I'm like, yeah, it's up the hill and over here to this side of the city. People are like, Oh, you live in the kayak house. And I was like, kayak house? Yeah, yeah, that one. And uh you know, I love our house, mate. It's just chaos and bedlam, but it you know, like it's there's so many like our housemates are just insane, you know, like j- I truly, I, I hear a lot of people struggling with their housemates. And aside from Matty D, I love all of our housemates <laughs> truly deeply with my own heart.
0: And I don't mind him that much, you know. <laughs> we love him. We love, we love him. him. We love him. We love him. After you, dog. But yeah, it's not only the housemates, it's definitely also the location. Um, we moved to Innsbruck just about three years ago. Reasons were basically the longest possible kayaking season in Europe. Good rivers to choose from on a daily base, and also the proximity to airports to go fly internationally. How would you say have the last three years in Innsbruck here in Central Europe have changed your kayaking and your your outlook on things?
1: May I mean the the unique thing about innsbruck and the white water around it is that it is actually for the first time like predictable you know like in the sport of kayaking like mother nature is the boss you know so you never get a say on when's good to go kayaking it just depends on you know what rain is coming in what what snow is melting and all of that stuff you know so it's really spontaneous and you just have to be ready to rock and roll whenever and that's sort of exhausting after a while but in utztal just down the road from innsbruck you know we do actually have a predictable kayaking season you know like you know if it's sunny and it's warm like the glacier is melting and the water is flowing down the river and we have like what 40k plus of
0: something like that 40k
1: plus of of rapids and white water to choose from and yeah it's an insane training ground and i honestly i feel like i became a, a much better kayaker just from having access to that every single day in the summer
0: yeah i couldn't agree more also like we have another few smaller rivers around here which are super dependent on rainfall or snowmelt and it's hard to predict as pretty much everything in kayaking but by living so close by, we are really able to like immediately go as soon as the rain is hitting. We we jump in the car, we go there, we go kayaking. So I think the amount of laps we had on rivers such as the Brandy, for example, are just absurd. If you weren't live here, if you wouldn't be living here, I don't think you could even get close to that number of laps we've been doing the last couple of years so that's what gets me super stoked personally as well.
1: Yeah man and that that river is so special like so it's called the Brandenburger but no one says it like that you know it's the Brandy but no one says it like that you know it's like the Brandy <laughs> you know it's like Brandy you know like it's, it's a river that everyone just loves and it, what's what's special and unique about it around here at least is that it's such a lo- long amount of time on the water if you go top to bottom because you know Udstal is sick and amazing but rarely are you on the water for more than 15 or 20 minutes before you're at the bottom and resetting shuttle and the brandy you're on the water for an hour the river is changing and developing the whole time and it's just such a beautiful place to be honestly like everyone just feels happy out there on that river
0: yep and i think my favorite thing about brandy is you know like we spend a lot of time on the phone checking water levels rain prediction yada yada but the Brandenburger Ache, when that river is running, we do not need to check levels because at least one of our housemates will completely lose his shit, start shouting around, frantically will start packing gear, randomly, throw it in his car, and yeah, I don't think I've I haven't checked brandy levels in a while because at least Matti would be up early shouting around and get everybody going, so it's just the best of times out there. Much love for this river. And um, and Matty. I think like Matty's Matty's stoke for that river is what
1: gets me stoked about it <laughs> as well. You know, it's like a kid with massive ADHD problems waiting for Christmas and then all of a sudden Santa Claus knocks on his front door, you know, Pretty like much. just losing it. But that being said, he is a brandy optimist. I'm a, I'm a pessimist about that river. Like I have to see certain markers coming like with a rainfall and and certain things that make me want to think that it will be in. And like if one drop of rain falls in Innsbruck, Matty is packing his bags, making plans for brandy the next day. And I have to be honest, a lot of times it doesn't work out and all that excitement is for, is for nothing.
0: But we love the spirit. We love the spirit. Saying that though, now the spring season has started pretty well. I feel like we've been paddling a lot of different rivers recently. And then that brings us back to Ertz. Ertz is a glacier river, so it only starts with the snow melt. Kind of early May is a good time for kayakers to first go to Ertz. And then this year, Brand, we've seen this crazy change of the last rapid on our race section, right? Like, Have you ever seen something like that happen?
1: I mean for sure you know like rivers are such dynamic environments you know like it's constantly changing and that's what makes it so exciting you know like all that power being forced down can move rocks shift sediment and all of that stuff um but I have to say in my time since I've been here I've not seen a change that big on the earths and this is a big one you know like the, ch- the ch- champions killer drop at the end of the Brooker is completely changed.
0: Yeah for, our list- for our listeners who might not have an idea what we're talking about right now imagine like a three meter tall little drop slash waterfall thing which basically overnight has completely changed and the line to walk paddle down these falls is completely different the actual drop itself has changed like humongous amounts of rock had to be moved in the riverbed in order to create this new feature and i mean yes rivers are dynamic and they are changing all the time but that is definitely a drastic change which is so important because every year for many years now we have been hosting well, not we have, but big races have been hosted on this certain section of river on the Vellabrucke. Back in the day, it used to be the Adidas line race, which was probably the most important race in kayaking. Now there's the Uts Trophy, which is still up there. Super important race for the race people out there. It's such a tight race where really, like, split seconds are more important than anything else. And it's just an iconic spot in kayaking.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely, man. I-, I have to say as well, is like, um, you know, like for it to change at this point in the season is very strange because I was out there every day mm-hmm. before the change. Then um, the dam upstream that recently got put in did like a flushing, you know, so like all the sediment collects, they have to clear it out so they flush a bunch of water down at once. And um, and then the next day I was getting texts from locals, Johnny Haynes, of like, Champions Killer has changed and I, I 100% me personally blame the dam. Like rivers can change on their own for sure, but I, I blame the dam.
0: Yeah, I think... That one is on the dam. Super sad to see how such a pristine piece of nature just gets roughed up by humanity, but
1: I mean dude, it's it's I mean, thank God it's not that bad of a change, you know? Like it's it's different. It's super sad for it not to be that icon- iconic spot anymore, but it still goes and it goes well. But it could change for the worse and it could get blocked, you know, and like it, it might not be possible to kayak that piece of the rapid anymore, so yeah, 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 another reason why I'm against the dam. And uh, for anyone that doesn't know, I'm, I'm like actively involved in the campaign against another dam project upstream of there. And uh, I'm going around Innsbruck with my broken German, trying to explain to the locals why they should
0: care and sign the petition. Yeah, so that's the odds for you guys. And then, as we said earlier, kayaking is. It's a lot about planning, but then also whilst you're making plans, kind of accepting that these plans probably won't work out the way you were planning them. For example, in theory, we shouldn't be here in Innsbruck right now. We would be in California for the last two months because Cali had seen a humongous amount of snow come down. We have over 400% of snowpack in most places of all of California, which... Well, snow means future water. As soon as it melts, means like an epic kayaking season. Cali has so many awesome rivers out there. But the last decade nearly, I think we've been lacking snow mostly. So seasons were always quite short, hard to catch windows. So this year, when we just had these huge snow dumps happen, all the kayakers got excited for spring and summer. Stokes were high. Everybody was basically expecting to be out there throughout the most of the year. Yet we're still here. How come, Bernie? What's up, man? (laughs) Yeah, man. I
1: mean, it's just hard to pull the trigger, you know? Like, for sure, with that amount of water and that destination, you're always going to find good kayaking to do. But I have to be honest, I have, like, a list of rivers that I want, and and that's what I'm going there for, you know? Like, with with yourself and Dana and my whole crew. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I thought, you know, like, some years those rivers are in in May, you know, and they've dropped out by June. So I wanted to be there early and not to miss them this year, but... You know, there's just so much snow. It doesn't make any sense to go right now because it's all too high, or you can't access it because the roads are still covered in snow. And it's it's a real curveball for me. You know, like I really felt like I had my season plan sorted early on when I was seeing the snowpacks, but you know, like real world dealing with that means something drastically different. And uh, I think hopefully, if things come together, we're actually going to do an insane double whammy. So for me the two best places in the world to kayak in the summer with that snow melt season on Norway and California. And I always thought it had to be one or the other, but I think it's going to work out that we're going to do a quick rip to Norway, hopefully, and then go to California for like six weeks or something before, before another project. But I think it, I think it's all going to come together. Hopefully, maybe.
0: Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, I'm expecting some changes during the process, but for me personally, can't wait to be up in Norway, but then, especially early season Norway. I mean, you know, it's going to be cold and it's going to be rainy. To go from this place down to California, where it's just going to be basking in the sun making sure we don't get too sunburned. Ah, I cannot wait. It's going to be amazing.
1: Paradise, dude.
0: Yeah, I was
1: I was out early season in Norway last year because Matty D had to be home for his university or something, and he was pushing me from, like, April to go. And I was like, dude, it's still snowing. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And he's like, I have to be home on May something. And he's like, I only have this time. Let's go. And we went up there, and the first day, dude, it was completely miserable. It was like, <laughs> you know that in-between rain and snow thing, like sleet? It was sleeting sideways. It was freezing cold the rivers the rivers were perfect they were really high it was sick but it was not not easy lifestyling out there for sure
0: yeah but that's definitely a thing huh i feel like the majority of society hates us for not being able to commit to any plans or you know like pin down dates because we have to go where water goes and i personally think it's a beautiful lifestyle but i also understand it's very hard to deal with if you're looking at dates and commitments and yeah, trying to make plans. It's definitely been complicated yet fun at the same time. Um, which maybe, let's talk about Turkey. So we were in Turkey, what, a month ago? Mm-hmm. Just over a month ago. And that was one of those trips where you kind of just had to go with the flow, as stupid as it sounds. You had to look at the weather radar. We saw this huge storm come into the southern coast of Turkey. And last year, through a good friend uh, Mikey, We found some great place to stay down there, close to Antalya in Manavgat, where we had some of the best kayaking worldwide for that time of the year and wanted to repeat it this year. And then this year we had this storm come up. And then, yeah, how did that happen? Let us give us a quick rundown. (laughs) So we had just got back from a project
1: in Mexico. I had fallen on that project like seven or eight meters and completely blew my ankle up. It was like grade three ankle sprain, couldn't walk. And uh, I was mostly just planning to stay at home and heal my ankle up and not do very much, you know. And uh, then the boys were getting all excited talking about Turkey. And Adrian just pulled the trigger and booked his ticket and was like, I'm going. You guys can come if you want to, but I am going. Here's my flight details. And I was like, I can't go. I can't go on my ankle. No, I can't go. And it got to like two days before the trip. And I was like going to be in the house alone and everyone was going to be in Turkey. And I was like, are you guys happy helping me carry my kayak? And everyone was like, yeah, of course we'll help you out, dude. And then uh, and I was like, okay, cool. I'm in, I'm going, <laughs> And uh, you know, limped through the airport, the whole house. And uh, then we went to Turkey and, you know, we had been talking about water levels because it had been low and uh, trying to decide what kayaks to take, you know? So much like every other sport kayaks come in all different shapes and sizes for different conditions and things you want to do in them. And Matt A.D. was leaning towards taking the big creek boat kayaks and I was leaning towards taking like the half-slice river running kayaks and uh, I was thinking that in case it was low so I wouldn't get bored, you know? And I took one of the smallest kayak- kayaks I own right now, which is called a firecracker and we landed and all of the rivers were so high. <laughs> and I was like, oh boy, <laughs> here we go. Time to, time to buckle up because we're going to be probably vertical and upside down a little bit here.
0: Yeah, that was such an amazing trip. Just like pure stoke, pure spontaneity, a couple of days. It was awesome. Weirdly enough, I managed to get hurt on this trip somehow. As Brent mentioned, we were in, Tur- in Mexico before. I thought I was fine. And then, I don't know, like close to a week into Turkey, I managed to snap my ribs. Sorry, or not like, totally snap my tear ribs. Tear your abs. Tear or my or abs, what? yeah. I, I tore my abs off my ribs. That's what it was. Which then put me out of the river for basically a month now. Currently, I'm in rehab. Which is not ideal. I'm able to kayak now again, which is crazy. I had no idea how big the difference is from not wanting to kayak one day because you know your body's hurting, your gear's wet, it's cold outside, whatever, compared to you are not allowed to go kayaking because your body cannot handle it. I personally had no idea how upset that would get me. So, last month has been lots of learning regarding that topic. And yeah, now I'm more stoked than ever to be back in the boat, shredding a few out there every day. It's it's good stuff.
1: Cheer <laughs> yeah, boy. I mean the ribs the ribs or like core injuries are always hard to push through and it's super annoying cuz you'll be sat just chill in you'll feel fine you're like that's it i'm ready to get back on the pony and go out and then you'll go and you know just like small little movements you never thought about will hurt you so much you know let alone like crushing moves on big rapids. so um i guess dude actually a few people were like why is adrian not in the videos anymore and i just haven't replied you know been
0: waiting for you to be better and just to start filming together again but that's why that's why man was hurt and it's crazy like these type of injuries, like if you don't treat them right, they will definitely leave a mark and you will definitely feel them forever. I mean, you know it with your ribs, I know it with my ribs. (laughs)
1: Dude, I have like three points that stick out on my ribs now and this one on the left for sure gets tight, you know, like if I'm not stretching and I'm not taking care of myself, it gets so tight and painful still. And that's like what, four or five years ago? Like...
0: Yeah, you want to make sure that shit heals up right just because I hate feeling like not 100% because of something like that. I mean, think about Dane. Like Dane... Hurt his ribs maybe eight years ago on Spirit, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he still has trouble with it. And, I mean, for everybody who doesn't know who Dane is, Dane Jackson is a very good friend of us, um, part of the Sand Collective, founder of it. Together we started this collective 2016, together with Caleb, Dane, Brennan, myself. And I think Dane is, is the best kayaker in the world. Everybody who says something different... I think it's wrong. Definitely
1: hand, said, <laughs> hands down, dude. Anyone that disagrees with that is either dumb, doesn't understand the sport, or is just plain like hating. You know, yeah, like yeah. for sure, there's lots of amazing kayakers out there. Everyone's got their own skills and style, but overall, there is no weakness to Dano, dude. It's just, it's just insane to me. Like every single side of the sport, that dude just crushes at. And uh, the the big thing for me is like. Dano is like the nicest guy and the best competitor out there you know like he's always helping other people out and other competitors and that's the exact way it should be so yeah much as I give Dano nothing but shit (laughs) I
0: have to say that
1: like I love him to pieces and I think he sets a really good example in the sport you know
0: 100% speaking about Dane Dane just hit the double air screw first time ever anybody in a kayak did something like a kickflip on a skateboard not once but twice what do you think about that brand?
1: Mate, I mean, Dano, again, just legendary, eh? Like, so sick that that finally got stuck. And he's been talking about that for a while, you know? Like, there's an enormous wave that pops up on the Zambezi at number nine at high water. And Dano, a few seasons, was like, make sure the cameras are filming. I'm going for the double. And that wave is so rowdy and hard to predict that he would mostly just crash and burn or struggle to be in control, which is saying a lot about how rowdy that wave is. Even Dano is struggling out there. For myself, if I took, like, a few rides on that, I was pretty happy. Happy, call it a day. Be thankful because it's so gnarly. And Dana would just be lapping it, trying to get like the pass to throw a double airscrew screw. And he buggied up to Canada and finally got it done, which is epic. But. You can't talk about Dano's double airscrew without talking about Luke Pomeroy's flip before that, double flip. And uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Luke Pomeroy is this up-and-coming kayaker from Canada. He's sick, pursues big wave surfing really hard in his kayak, and has a really cool, like, natural flowy style. And he actually, a few a week or two ago, posted this clip of him doing this wild double rotation varial on a wave and this thing was so different you know he's not just rotating on one axis he's rotating on two if not a little bit on three it's such a crazy thing to watch and i watched that like a hundred times over trying to understand it and for me i think both of those moments need to be celebrated in our sport you know like yes dames was of course perfect and clean and epic and he stuck it because that's what Dano does you know he does things better than anyone could ever imagine but Luke Pomeroy this up-and-coming kid threw a double rotation on a wave and that is so special to me and that should be celebrated and especially the way he over-rotated Sasquatch style halfway through is absolutely
0: bonkers so I I think both have to be remembered and celebrated yeah yeah, for sure I mean I'm a big fan of both of these guys and what they're doing and Also, it's super cool for me to, like, be part of the sport whilst it's changing so radically. I mean, to be fair, it has happened in snowboarding and skateboarding and skiing and surfing everywhere. But being in this sport and and exactly knowing what it really takes to pull these things off and then see people pull it off and then also see, like more people follow that and, and then do it after I just find it such an amazing process to, to witness
1: yeah mate. I mean the skill and talent base in the sport right now I think is is in a better place than it's ever been you know there's so many shredders around the world bringing their own styles to it and, and innovating in their own ways whether it's small or big but for me I think one of the sad things about freestyle is that like all the variants aren't celebrated you know like me and you both came up from skateboarding a little bit and in that sport you know like all the variations are celebrated you know the different ways to do things and in freestyle kayaking it sort of gets lumped together so that the judges have an easier score sheet to deal with but for me like every single little difference should be its own trick you know because it is different you know and it i think i think by celebrating those differences we get even more innovation more variation sicker tricks more fun to watch you know so that's something i would like to see and uh yeah i hope that
0: happens yeah 100 percent. i mean coming to innovation and and New generations doing things better than generations before. Obviously, POV and GoPro is a topic we have to talk about. Like Just seeing how quickly things accelerated as soon as you had an abundance of footage out there of the world's best kayakers shred on their runs at retarded flow, super high water, whatever it is. You could just basically look at that and kind of copy and mimic these guys and and do it on your own
1: dude, a hundred percent. Like having access to all the videos and examples of people crushing in kayaks is epic. I remember it being much harder to come by, you know, (laughs) had to like get a ride to the local kayak shop, have enough money to buy the the newest kayak and DVD and watch it back and all that stuff. And now it's just free online everywhere, which is sick. The GoPro for me is like a wild tool. So when I was in Uts the other day, I think you were, you were crushing some work or something or sorting something out on your van. But when I was in Uts and trying to learn the new lines, every single lap I did, I just whipped the, GoPro off, watched it back on my GoPro, and there I could see what I was doing right and wrong. And like to have that like instantaneous video feedback when you're trying to figure something out is
0: like that's just a game changer, you know? Like it's epic. Like really being able to to go back and analyze your moves frame by frame, figure out what happened, what went wrong, what went right, is is hectic. It's it's crazy. And I mean it of course also carries its downsides, as we have talked about before, like Nowadays, if you watch enough content, you can literally rock up to a river you've never been to before and just paddle that down And based on the beta you have from the GoPro clips you found on the internet, which does take that adventure part away a little bit, I guess that bad.
1: I I wish it was like a like a general consensus, you know, like some rivers it's all right to like post massive amounts of GoPro on cuz it's already out there, but like other rivers I would, I wish it was like more unknown and stuff, you know, like just you know like you know a bit about the river, you know, in, enough to be safe, but you don't know everything, you know, and you're just dropping in there and finding your way down it. You know, I always think those days are the most special. Yeah. You know, if, if we compare when me and you did the Indus River compared to when people do the Indus, <laughs> I've got some stuff in my nose, water probably or sand. But like when we do the Ind... when we did the Indus River compared to now, like we we knew basically nothing about it. You know, like we just almost nothing you know yeah, not much like zero beta and now people are so dialed and some the rapids have names and stuff and it's a different experience in there
0: yeah huge i'm also a strong believer of the fact that many rapids many rapids just because you have seen them so much being run in a kayak on video might you know present themselves in a different light to to oneself and i'm sure there's a few waterfalls out there which get run by quite some people which would not get run that often if there wasn't footage out there of people kind of proving a concept, showing a line down. And then, yeah, other people just kind of mimic that, be like, okay, that's how he solved it. This is the way to do it. But that, of course, carries its downsides. Like, you do lose a bit of innovation. Maybe there's a different way to, to solve this riddle. Maybe there's a different flow that there. Maybe some small things have changed. Like, I really hope we're not going to lose that part of the story that people keep... You know, like, keep innovating, try to do things different than what they've seen.
1: Yeah, I have to say, sometimes it works out completely differently, you know? Like, like I've certainly seen some lines on Rapids, and I'm like, oh, I would not do it like that, you know? Like, I'm going to hit it like this, you know? So it, I, th- I think that's always going to be there based on, like, your style and your personality. But I guess, like, the other like more horrifying side of that is like people like, you know, letting their guard down and stuff because they've seen it so much on videos. And that's like a point that I try and put across a lot is like, just cause you've seen it go well on a video does not mean it's going to go well like that every single time. And, um, it's something I would like people to be more aware of, but you know, like if you look at the amount of people that have kayaked off tomato one, it's disgusting, dude. And like yeah. without putting any disrespects to anybody, some people
0: did not belong on top of that 63 foot waterfall, you know? But yeah. One hundred percent. Many people who come down these falls do not belong there. I'm, happy to say that definitely accidents happen there also but they just don't get talked about enough like i don't want to know how many people broke their backs on this specific one waterfall well dude that boil is so kind
1: you know that's what made me confident about going for like the like the double freewheel you know even though i didn't stick it i felt pretty safe about that boil and how i was gonna land in the small kayak but you know like kayaking so kind until it isn't and I think like a lot of the accidents happen in like freakish circumstances you know it's not always on the biggest baddest stuff but it, you know it can be on like the local river where something goes wrong or like on a waterfall you've done before or like you know like stuff can happen whenever and wherever it doesn't have to be on the biggest stuff Um but yeah tomato one is a wild thing for me to think of the people that have kayaked down that and how nervous I was above it and stuff and yeah.
0: yeah. It's a pretty picturesque example that's for sure of, of what the dangers are in the sport as of any other sports extreme sports bigger, better, faster. I will I will say though it's changed in
1: kayaking since the last 10 years or so, you know, like it used to be like one thing to be in your kayak at the bottom, but now like people are so dialed and I think maybe the race influence and stuff on it, but you know, if you're not greasing the line you know like nobody cares you know like it has to be like squeaky clean and sick you know for it to be considered a good line and i love that you know that we have such high standards finally because if you look back on some of the old videos you know <laughs> as long as they rolled up at the bottom it was like Woo! <laughs>
0: you know yeah can't wait to see where it's gonna go cannot wait but uh let's jump to our last point of this episode which is kind of like a random facts slash fun story slash interesting learning we have learned throughout the years on the road on the water how about you tell the listeners about your time or the times you had malaria Brent? breaking news team breaking news malaria sucks <laughs> <laughs> i had it eight
1: times which is i would say eight times too many for a reasonable person and maybe six or seven times too many for an unreasonable person and basically i was in like a vicious cycle so like I bought the malaria tablets and they were expensive for me, especially at the time. It was like £1.50 a tablet. I was going out there for weeks, months on end. It was a big investment for me. And I bought the tablets and I got malaria. And I was like, I've just paid 200 bucks to get malaria. Like, this sucks. And so I didn't take them the next trip. And then I got malaria and I was like, God, malaria is terrible. I'll take the tablets, you know. And I was just (laughs) always swinging backwards and forwards between um You know, taking the tablets and not taking them, and not really having like a defined like success ratio on on either uh, methodology there. But yeah, malaria sucks. I had it eight times. Luckily, I think it was always like the tropical kind, so hopefully not reoccurring, but more savage to get like the illness it gives you. And when I was in Uganda, I was completely broke. I was living in a mud hut. I think I was paying like ten pounds a month for rent and. Uh, these, like, tourists, I think they're from Austria, like, they were kayakers, you know, like, we're all tourists there, but, like, they were living on, like, the fancy island where everything's catered for you and it's sick, and we were we were just dirtbagging it in the local village, which was also sick. And uh, they came over to look around the village, and, you know, they're looking around, and I can hear them coming, and they knock on my door and stick their heads in, and I'm naked and sweating and covered in my own puke and diarrhoea and just, like, the most um, vulnerable form of myself, you know, and they're like... Oh, yeah, we'll come back later. They <laughs> slammed the door shut on me. So, yeah, that's the story of having malaria eight times. It sucks. I can't say whether you should take the tablets or not, but in our upcoming project later this year, they have the gnarliest malaria of them all, falciparum, and uh, I'm definitely, I think, going to take the tablets.
0: Yeah, a little spoiler alert here. Super cool project in the making in autumn. We're going to go back to Africa Mama Africa is calling, we're going to go for another savage expedition, we're going to go into the jungle, we're going to leave it at that, stay tuned for more, but yeah, it's going to be amazing. Sure boy,
1: first podcast done, yeah?
0: Yeah, I guess so, wrapping up episode 01, really fun speaking with you, brother, that was amazing, I am quite looking forward for more episodes to come, to build this thing, see where it's going to go, but yeah, I can't wait to also get some feedback from the listeners, see what topics might be interesting, what we should talk about more or less. But uh, for now, let's keep it at that. Thank you very much.
1: Peace out, you.
0: Cheers.